Welcome to the Mind Takeaway podcast with your hosts, Mira and Peter. We celebrate what it is to be human in an age of technology, digitization, and information overload. In each episode, together with our guests, we go on a deep exploration of resilience, creativity, leadership, authenticity, passion, and intuition, while encouraging others to do the same. What underpins all of our conversations is human connectedness, collaboration, and community. If you are an entrepreneur thinking of starting a business or interested in podcasting, then this episode may be of interest to you. We speak to James Mulvaney, a successful entrepreneur who over the last 10 years has built multiple internet companies, plus a successful property portfolio, and has made a range of angel investments in startups. Having actually never had a job in his life, he started his first business when leaving school. James is the founder of Podcast.co and Radio.co, two companies doing pioneering things in the online audio space. Enjoy listening. We're pleased to have James Mulvaney with us. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, privileged to be here and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, great to have you here. Welcome. So you're the CEO and I guess the co-founder of a number of companies. And just before we were pressing record, we were talking about it, right? So Mm -hmm. radio.co, podcast.co and matchmaker.fm. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's in a chronological order as well. So we launched radio.co about uh, five years ago. It will be five years in July when we launched and went live. We were probably working on that platform for about a year beforehand. So um, yeah, so, so then in podcast.co came along last year and Matchmaker is, is a new product. We launched around three months ago back in middle of Feb, uh, which is doing tremendously well. And I think it's, it's really, I'm, re- I'm really excited about Matchmaker as a platform because we're, we're just making so, many, so, so much difference to people already, which is really positive to see. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I really appreciate you hooking up with me because actually just at the time, Mira and I were talking, well, you know, we kind of got enough guests. And I, if you remember, I might have sounded a bit pissy because I was kind of like, well, we kind of get guests for our network and you must have been like, whatever, you know. But actually, I've used it a lot and I really appreciate it. So thank you because we we lined up a few guests and I don't really, or both of us, we don't really promote ourselves so much because we're always really busy, you yeah. know, working on the company or recording other people as guests. So it was actually a good kick in the arse for me to appear on other shows. So thank you. That's good. That's you're welcome. It's interesting because we've had um, most of our growth so far for Matchmaker has been due down to sort of manual outreach. So we've used mm. LinkedIn a hell of a lot, yeah, you know, to to sort of prospect the right kinds of people. It was important to us because obviously we were starting from an empty canvas, really. And yeah. the the challenge at the beginning when we launched in February was, well, no one wants to sign up if there's no one on there because you know guests don't want to sign up if there's not a good selection of podcasts, and podcasters won't want to sign up if there's a good selection of guests. So we kind of found, were faced with this sort of quite tricky situation where we thought, okay, well, we can't, you know, what are we going to do? So initially we used our existing customers um, prior to the launch of um, Matchmaker as well. We, we, we'd set up two different funnels on the podcast.co site, which were nothing more than Google Forms, which we really used to kind of validate and test the idea. So um, before we started writing any code to build the platform, you know, we wanted to make sure that there was you know, going to be a demand for this kind of product. Um, so, you know, that's a good, good, good way to really, you know, for anyone who's thinking about launching any kind of app or building mm. a platform, it's, it's a good idea to sort of validate that there's a market there, there's demand before you actually, you know, spend a lot of money or invest yeah. a lot of time in, in actually creating it. So, 
Um, yeah, and we, we, we already had kind of a sort of a relatively decent sized marketing list of people we knew were really keen for this sort of product. Yeah, so we yeah. managed to onboard those people as well. And I want to ask you, so obviously you're a serial entrepreneur because even mm. before these products, I know just from um, the video that you sent me, which was really cool, uh, that you'd obviously been working on other things. And I guess mm. straight rolling straight out of college or school, you were obviously working on lots of ideas. So I just wanted to ask you, how do you see it in terms of being an entrepreneur? Obviously, creativity plays a large part, right? Creativity, yeah, and also passion as well. I think, you know, you just mentioned before we started recording that you were an audio audio engineer. And, um, you know, in a similar way, I started by doing experience, you know, having work experience in radio stations when I was about 16, 17 yeah. years old. I wanted to be a DJ. I started going and working in hospital radio and local radio stations and some internet stations and really just kind of, you know, getting experience and understanding what, what it was about. And I, before that, you know, when I was growing up, I always used to love listening to radio. Mm -hmm. So it, it came, the, the, the business in the first business I had was called wave streaming, uh, which, which I, I ran for a number of years, grew whilst I was then went off to university and sort of used that, the, that four year period to sort of turn it into a kind of quote unquote proper business. If yeah. you like, you know, turn it from something that was just a side project into, well, this actually got legs and, uh, and then, you know, that was, that was sort of the, the initial start. And, and, and I just fused two things I was interested in, which was radio and, and how to build websites and building products and, you know, bit and sort of business as well. I've, I've always seen myself as a little bit of a, you know, a kind of a Del Boy type character in the sense that, you know, I love to, I love business. I love sort of the deal and all that sort of stuff. You know what occurred to me when you said that, that's why I'm chuckling as well. It's um, yeah, but that's a good way of looking at it, right? Because it doesn't sound like you've got a lot on it. What I mean by that, just just to be clear to people listening, is <laughs> yeah. that obviously you care if you start something, you want it to be successful. Yes. But it sounded like you're just up for the experiment. So, yes, it's annoying when things fail, right, and they go wrong because they cost money in the real world, you know. And, and when you're really passionate about something, I'm guessing that if it doesn't go your way, it's still a bit annoying. But it doesn't sound like that's ever slowed you down, right? No. And, you know, as for as many successes as I've had, I've had more failures, you know, mm. you, there's lots of businesses or ideas that I've tested in the past, which have completely flopped. There's some businesses I've run, which I've actually lost quite substantial amounts of money running. Uh, but that's part of the, the ride, I think, of being an entrepreneur, you know, you, you, you have your ups, you have your downs and, but you've got to, you've got to sort of remain enthusiastic. And I think the most important thing as well is, you know, if you run a company that doesn't work out, um, what did you do wrong? And, and, and what have you learned from that experience that you can kind of avoid the next time around? Mm. So, for example, you know, we with Matchmaker, as I mentioned before, before launching it, we kind of did some tests. We made sure that there was a, a valid market there. Um, you know, in the past, I've had ideas which I thought of great. But, you know, particularly when I was a bit younger, I'd go full steam ahead with them without really checking that there was actually a clear demand for that just because i thought it was a good idea doesn't necessarily mean it is or yeah. it's you know or, or you're going to make a big success out of it so uh i think you know as you, as you kind of get older and get wiser i suppose um you know you, you sort of learn from, from those errors and, and try things differently as you're moving forward reiterate each time i mean that's really good for people to hear that yeah what what really lights us <laughs> up when we get excited about it, and i'm really guilty for it i mean you're better at refining stuff right mira because uh, I obviously have lots of ideas and <laughs> Mira's more of a refiner. She'll be like, yeah, you really think people are buying it? I'm like, yeah, hundred mm. percent. And then, you know, halfway through it, we're like, yeah, okay, that's not going to work. We refine it. Right. 
But it's crucial yeah. to ask for feedback, right? It needs to be a two-way street. Because mm. if we just did whatever we wanted, I'd hazard the guess that we're, you know, you, you'll get your answer because it'll either be successful or people will be like, well, you never asked. So mm. therefore, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's interesting to me, uh, again, going back to this, you know, I'm, I'm doing something and I'm enjoying it. And yeah. if it fails, I, I'm okay. Therefore, you're not emotionally attached to it and you go, mm. you know, you, you go and do something else. Whether what I've seen a lot and probably because I, I also work as a coach and as a, as a therapist mm. is that people, uh, people take it personally. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been through that myself. You know, oh, okay. Uh, Can you tell 2014 us? was a really tough year for me. Uh, I had... Um, the, the first business I mentioned, wave streaming, which, you know, as I say, I ran that for 15 years in total. We, we, we kind of merged it with Radio.co and wound down operations last year um, because Radio.co had so far uh, exceeded, you know, our expectations and was doing really well. But with wave streaming, we were providing a similar service. It was a slightly different set of tools. And that was like kind of my first big success. So I think it was 2011, 2012, we struck a deal with a small company you may have heard of called AOL. Uh, and I flew to New York, met with AOL, got this deal in place. And I was like 23 at the time, you know, so it's really young. And, um, you know, the, the company went like from there to there overnight. And I knew that this deal was almost too good to be true. And it wasn't going to last forever. I thought, well, if I can get five years out of this, then it'll be great. Uh, the reality was I didn't get five years out of it. I probably got two and a half years out of it. 2014 that part of the business AOL sold to another company. They weren't interested in working with us. And I just went kind of into a bit of meltdown mode, really. I, I mentally, you know, I thought, oh no, everything I've worked for is going to mm. come crashing down around me. You know, at that stage I had a, you know, small sort of growing team. So I had probably, I think maybe 10 to 12 staff at that stage. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to pay these guys. I'm going to have to make everyone redundant, you know, and the whole, you know, everything I've worked for is just, is, is all just over and that's kind of that was my genuine belief in my head um and I, and you know i found it tough that year it really just sort of mentally drained me and interestingly you know that wasn't the reality of course my sort of over exaggeration of every, the world's ending was completely wrong and really what happened was we kind of just stopped growing and then eventually it started declining a little bit because we you know we hadn't this this deal in place which was supplying us lots and lots of leads into the business uh you know w wasn't there anymore so but then I think, you know, probably after six or eight months of, you know, being pretty, well, I suppose probably quite depressed and a bit kind of, you know, my mind was just a bit all over the place. That was at the stage where I thought, right, okay, well, we're kind of, you've got to pick yourself up here. What's next? Mm. And um, that's when the sort of the ideas of Radio.co and the, the development started. So we kind of, I sort of pivoted the team to start working mm. on this new product, uh, which we then launched, yeah, like a year, a year or so later. Mm. It's a great story. I mean, I, I could I could pick through it and explain <clears throat> people, but I think just hearing the story that, you know, just because you think something is bad, it doesn't mean that it is. No, uh, absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think we're all guilty of it sometimes. You know, oh. what's 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 the real reality in your head is not necessarily in line with what is actually going on in the world like around you. It's just kind of your own perception of it, I mm -hmm. think, yeah. which, you know, sometimes can be a good thing and also sometimes it can be quite dangerous. Yeah. And that, how important was it for your team? So obviously, I guess it was key to when you when you had those insights. And it, again, tell me if I'm wrong, it sounded like when, when your mind settled, when you had clarity, when you weren't yeah. panicking as much, and then you were like, well, ah, actually, that's what to do. 
I think during that phase, I kind of probably hid it quite well from the team. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't necessarily speaking to them what I was thinking. I was kind of pretending everything was normal, you know. Um, But uh, yeah, I suppose, I think when we we sort of pivoted and we started working on this new product, I think everyone was excited, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was like, you know, well, we're working on something new. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was an evolution of the, of the business, which it was. And, you know, we lo- the good thing about the, if you, if you think about it this way, with wave streaming, I really kind of tested and validated the market, you know, and I knew that the opportunity was, was a lot bigger than maybe I first thought when I started that business because of this one deal. Um, but uh, so, so, so then when we bought radio.com to market, I, you know, I already knew that there was a demand there for this particular type of product. Got you. Yeah. And I guess it, it sounds like these failures that we all go through, and especially mm. as entrepreneurs, <laughs> that's where the juice is, right? Without that, we would never have these amazing insights from those. As you said at the time, it seemed like a catastrophic, life-changing, that's it, it's over. Yeah. And then all yeah, of a yeah. sudden, like you say, you pivot and it's like, boom. You've yeah, got, absolutely. Yeah, you've it's just part of the ride. Yeah. But I think nowadays, you know, uh, you know, as I said, I was very young then. Um, so over the sort of past eight, 10 years, I think, you know, you grew up a little bit, you know, throughout your twenties and I'm 32 now. So, you know, you kind of learn a bit about yourself. So uh, I think if you, things don't go your way, you don't give yourself as much of a hard time maybe. And do you think you'll, I mean, I'm just curious now because it, you know, you've, it sounds like you're a guy with lots of ideas, right? Mm. Are you happy where you're at now in terms of just developing these things or you, or you've, You've already got other stuff in yeah. the pipeline. You don't have to share well, it. Of it's course, interesting yeah. you ask that. So yeah, I mean, now I think that we're a team of about thirty-three, right? Okay. So yeah. the, the the current the current workload is is probably fine for for that size size of team, you know. And we we because ultimately you can't we want to keep momentum on all three products. So that takes time and that takes manpower. You mm-hmm. know, we can't just I personally couldn't run all three products just me on my own. You know, uh, so. I think it's one of these things you as sometimes again you, you you know and I used to be very guilty of this I'd be registering different domain names each week when I was at university because <laughs> yeah. I'd have a new idea yeah. and I'd think oh this would be great and I was kind of you know wearing many hats then I could write code to some extent you know I was all right and um you know I was doing the the customer support doing the sales doing the marketing doing all all these different things so I kind of would come up with an idea and I'd start building a website for it and it never really see the light mm. of day and that's kind of again it's good fun but it's a bit, it's sometimes you need to actually think about what is working and focus mm-hmm. on that one thing versus, uh, or in my case at the moment, focus on those three things versus trying to constantly come up with new ideas yeah, yeah. because is it, you know, you've only got so much mental bandwidth, I think, to, to really give it your all. Um, and, you know, as I say, if you can build a team to, to kind of support you on, on a particular project, you know, you don't have to quite give it as much mental bandwidth, but you still have to keep focused on it because mm. you still need to make sure that that team is moving forward. And ultimately your job as a sort of CEO or founder is to lead that team, you know? Yeah. Got you. And would you say as an entrepreneur and growing a team, has that given you insights in terms of what you want to do and what you don't want? Because I know just from us, we, we don't have anyone working for us. We have a few volunteers and the like, but what we've realized over the years is we definitely know now after refining it, what we don't want to do, if that makes sense. So yeah. there's lots of pain points in any business, right? And, and were yeah. there the moments when you started to recruit, when you were thinking, well, you obviously realize you can't do everything, but then this is what I'm good at. Let's, let's find some talent to, you know, to fill in the gaps, so to speak. Yeah, you know, that's really valuable is identifying your strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, obviously there's there's things that sometimes you have to do that you don't particularly like doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think now 
sometimes it's the admin of running a business, you know, dealing with accounts and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> No one, I mean, you know, I have to do that. I don't have a choice. I have to make sure that, you know, we're, do, we're dealing with th- those various aspects. But that's really something I don't enjoy in the slightest, you know. Um, but, for example, customer support. I'm, I should not be allowed to speak to customers because that is not my forte. I'm just too, I, I can be too blunt, too, you know, yeah. too sort of to yeah. the point. And sometimes, you know, I'll end up just rubbing people up the wrong way, to be completely honest. So that's one of the things I learned early on. Don't let me speak to customers, uh, you know. Well, obviously, I do speak to customers, but you know what I mean? That's, I, can't, I can't really be there on the front lines uh, yeah. Yeah. because I just, I just kind of speak my mind too much, I think. Uh, so sometimes rather than saying the right thing, I just say what I'm thinking. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, that's probably one of my weaknesses for sure. Um, but obviously, we have a great, great customer success team working across both products and uh, you know they're fabulous at what they do so so that's that's the thing important is to think right okay what are you good at what are you not good at you know and again make, make sure that you hire people who are way better than you at doing certain mm. things you know again in the early days I used to write pro I, I was a sort of learned basics of writing code mm-hmm. and I used to think I was really good I thought I was a brilliant programmer and then when I started hiring developers I realized actually I wasn't good at all. I was just very average, you know, if, if, if not below average. And, um, you know, again, I haven't probably written code now for about eight years, but uh, the, again, learning the fundamentals was useful because I can speak to the development team in a language that they understand and I kind you, of yeah. understand yeah. what they're doing and how, how the me- mechanics of how everything works. But, you know, as I say, I'm not, I'm not a programmer, really. You know what I really like when you were what you were saying there. It it yeah. sounds like it's authentic, right? Well, it doesn't sound it. It is authentic that you actually were honest with yourself. You realise that, uh huh, okay, that's mm. that's where my limits are with that. Let's yeah, find yeah. people that you know are much better than me. Uh, and I think that's good for people to hear because it it's about letting go of the reins a little bit as well. And not you, obviously you want some control because you're the CEO. You've got to make yeah. things work, right? You don't want the mm. wheels to come off, but also you've got to trust the people that you hire, right? Completely. And I think this is the thing. I do, I do see a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the early days, where they'll take on take on a kind of a small team, maybe, mm. and then they won't relinquish control. You know, that's mm. the, the biggest thing is you have to trust people. You have to give them autonomy in what they're doing and delegate as well. And, you know, once people are on with that, just let them get on with it and let, you know, just trust them to, to, to know, think that, yes, they know probably most mostly better than you. Uh, you know, I think if you if you're constantly breathing down people's neck, and sort of micromanaging it mm. can be really dangerous and also you're not kind of fulfilling people's full potential then either and what would you say if we were to ask your team now you know if you weren't there and you were, yeah. what, what would they say in terms of we said right what's james like to work with what, what do you think <laughs> would come to uh, mind? Hope, hope, hopefully good things <laughs> i don't know i mean <laughs> i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't want to sort of sort of start start assuming anything but i think you know i think overall, I know, it's a tough we, question I, right <laughs> yeah i think i think you know from from the feedback we get we do um we do a town hall meeting mm. uh every quarter which is a relatively new thing we've just done our second batch of these um and the way that works is people fill out an anonymous feedback form so they can say good things bad things you know and uh you know just any questions they've got or things that they feel like you know are missing um you know and looking through through the, the responses there the pos- obviously there's negatives which you know you need to work on and try and fix um nothing's too serious you know mostly it's 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 things that are easily sort of resolvable a lot of it's to do with communication i think as we've grown as to sort of from like you know 10 people to 20 and now sort of 30 plus you know you have to focus more on com- communication between departments um but you know overall the, the positives have, have been generally like the culture is really good and that's always been a, a big driving force for me is is making sure that we've got 
a, a company that people enjoy and want to come to work for mm. you know if i had to if i had to go and work for a company that's why i'd want to work basically that's kind of my, always been my ethos i really like that because yeah i mean if it's not like that then i don't see the point right culture yeah. and communication are really really important right and yeah, if it's your company you want to be proud of it not just because of the success yeah but the success is built on those people that you've hired right yeah i think people's hugely important especially with with this type of tech business you know we're not um interesting i was doing an interview with a journalist the other day and they were saying well what's the difference between the demands of a tech business versus some something else mm. you know like maybe an engineering or manufacturing company and i was like well tech businesses are almost always just focused on people because we don't need big expensive fancy machines and sets of tooling which do a lot of the work for us mm. yeah. you know our, our big expensive fancy machine is is the people you know so um and and obviously a lot of infrastructure and stuff to go with it but you know the the, the main focus is is the people really Wow, that's um, that's not something that people would think of uh, when they think about tech company, isn't it? Yeah. You would think of technology, not the humans that are actually but, driving it all. Yeah, but the, the thing is, humans are needed to, to to create the technology. So yeah. you know, if you're, you know, even okay, so most products now are built on Amazon infrastructure, right? Uh, Amazon Cloud, Amazon Web Services is known, right? So, but you know, in order to kind of make all the parts connect and make them work you've got to have someone who's an expert in that field who mm -hmm. understands how all these different aspects of their services will work together to, to power your platform and then also how to you know obviously create the, the the software write the code and then how that then will link in with the, the infrastructure that it sits on so that is all really specific knowledge and you know without people you can't make those things work together mm, cool i would for whatever reasons I would like to go a little bit back into ideas and, and creativity yes. and all of that. Sure. Um, you said there was lots of ideas that, that never really survived. Uh -huh. But do you see the link in between those ideas and what you're doing now? Like, did they spark or stayed in some level connected mm. to what you're doing now and, and, and the companies that you have right now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So... Obviously, podcast.co, we launched that in June last year. Um, that's a podcast hosting platform. And back in 2009, one of these ideas, which are all bits of software that I kind of created when it was just me on my own, you know, and I was still just finishing uni. I was last year of university in 2009, was a podcast hosting platform. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we I took it to sort of market. I think we had very little interest. It was probably too premature. I don't think there was enough demand. For, there was podcasts existed back then, but they were still quite a specific thing, like a, quite a, an enthusiast's tool rather than something that was, you know, uh, widely used by lots of people as it is now. It's, you know, mm -hmm. had a huge resurgence over the past few years. So, you know, that was one idea that actually, like I, I launched it and it didn't work. So I scrapped it pretty quickly and moved on. Um, but, you know, It, it's obviously stuck with me because here I am, you know, <clears throat> exactly 10 years later launching pretty much an identical product. Obviously, the product we launched now is a lot better than the one I built back then. Uh, but, you know, it's um, it, it's exactly fundamentally it's the same solution, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've noticed that as well, that sometimes you get something. It's not it's it's either in the right time or you don't. It's yeah. an idea. Mm. It's your view of the future, some kind of desire. Uh But then it comes back in some different way, times after, mm. or becomes part of something else. So yeah, yeah, I think so. And and also as well, you know, it's um, 
it, 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 you're right. It probably just was. It was too. It was premature, and obviously the, the the product itself was pretty clunky. It wasn't the best. Weirdly, I actually found some. I was going through like an old hard drive the other day, and I found some like video uh, tutorials that I recorded of how to use it. I was like, wow, this is bizarre. And it was interesting seeing because I'd kind of almost forgotten about this. You know, it's one of these things that had been banked at the back of my head. Uh, and I forgot what it looked like. And it was interesting just seeing what it looked like in the kind of the, the workflow that I'd sort of designed for uploading music and all this sort of stuff. And I, yeah, it was just, it was quite an interesting thing. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, it's the same idea. But then of course, there's lots of ideas that I had, which, you know, I really just, I gave up on, you know. And the, again, one of the things I did uh, for my final year project of, of university, because I wanted to actually do something that potentially I could use was a video platform. Because obviously I was already doing audio streaming sort of services for different radio stations and clients, um, and obviously video was quite new then. Still, it was kind of YouTube was in its early days and it was taking off. And I, I built this video platform, but again, it was pretty basic, and um, you know it didn't really see the light of day. But now I look back on it, uh, I'd probably think, well, actually that would have been a good, good that would have been a goer because that would have been the right time to get in. Mm. And there's other platforms like Vimeo and Wistia which have done really well serving that sort of market uh you know and they they kind of launched probably a little bit after then even or around that time you know so if i have stuck stuck with that actually I look back and i think yeah it might have worked mm-hmm. um but at the time i sort of i uh, didn't you know because I, I think probably because i'd spent like you know the last six months of university working on this project and of course you have to type loads and document everything you're doing and it, i think by the end of it i was just sick and i didn't want to see it anymore <laughs> as well, you know yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes yeah. you can work on stuff and these passion projects becomes the opposite, right? Yeah. And that's when yeah, you yeah. can't really tell whether it's, you know, something you can work with or not. And that's simply just because of how much time you put in and it just become a bit of an uphill struggle, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah, you know, university, especially finally for me, was a struggle because I, you know, I had this business that was that was generating an income for me. And I kind of thought, well, I did a sandwich year. So I went off and worked for myself for a year mm. um, and sort of, use that to sort of get the business to a point where, you know, I, I was making a living from it. I didn't really need to um, go and find a job after uni. And of course, then going back to university for that final year was really tough because mm. I just had to sort of kick myself dragging and screaming. About, yeah. into yeah, And I was like, do I really need this now? No, I probably don't. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad I did really. That was good that you had the discipline just to finish it off. And yeah, and it's tricky because once you start getting an income, the last yeah. thing you want to do is study, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I think as, as well as one of the reasons, you know, going to university is probably to make my parents proud as well at the time. You know, it's like, you know, mum and dad want you to go to university. So I think a lot of people do that as well. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I've had a few of these podcasts recently where people have been asking me, um, especially people who are recording podcasts for that sort of age group, that demographic of mm-hmm. people who are just finishing college or starting uni or in uni, you know, do you think going to university is a good idea? And uh, I was lucky because I started the year before the top-up fees were introduced. Of course, you know, in the UK, and it's ex- incredibly expensive now to go through that process. And, uh, you know, it was still expensive for me at the time. I still came out with think, 20 or 30 grand's worth of debt, but now mm. people are going into like 60, 70 grand's worth of debt. I know, it breaks my heart. I mean, it was yeah. a lot back then, but the fees just keep climbing. We actually interviewed a guest who's yeah. um, a senior professor for an MBA program in a Welsh university. And yeah, and he was saying the same. He said, it, it's it's a double-edged sword because we're in a rock and a hard place. We have to make money and it has to be profitable. But we also want to provide next level education as well. And it's mm. becoming not so accessible, right? It is. and, and But then also as well, I, you know, when I hire people now, I seldom look at their qualifications. It's really about what mm. their experience is. 
you know what what they're capable of doing uh so for me as an employer qualifications just aren't important i don't think you know it's nice to see on the cv i think but it's not it's certainly not doesn't drive the decision when when we're hiring someone it's that is not driven by what what you know letters they have after their name so to speak at all mm. i've had this conversation so many times because yeah. back in the day i used to hire quite a lot right and yeah. that's it i think experience and just the person's character and, and just seeing what they're about and getting to know mm. them at a, at a human level trumps you know anything else that's written down because I mean, I've made the mistakes as well. We all have, right? When you hire people, I'd be like, ooh, it's all shiny. Look look at what university they went to, blah, blah, all of this. But ultimately, is that person going to be a great fit for your team? You know, And it's about how they behave. It's not really just about how well qualified a person is, right? Mm, they've got to be a good culture fit, like I mentioned before. I think that's mm. always uh, you know, one of the, the, the important checkboxes for us is you know obviously first of all have they has does that person have the skills to do what we're, we're, we're requiring of them and then the next thing is you know are they going to fit in with the team are they good culture fit and if the answer is no on the second one you know we've made the mistake before where we've been kind of almost like a little bit you know trying to get someone especially with hiring um technical staff sometimes it's you, you know it's quite difficult um because they're so in demand now mm. you know and again that's changed so much over the past sort of five mm. to ten years like when i first moved i moved to manchester 10 years ago and that was around the time I started hiring and it was much easier to hire people back then than it is now. Uh, but you know, it's, you kind of like, if you're trying to get a project delivered and you want to you know, grow the team, you want to get that person in quickly. And we've made mistakes in the past where we've said, yeah, okay, you know, we'll, we'll take you on because they've had the skills, but maybe not been the perfect culture fit. I mean, it just hasn't worked out and you can always tell straight away almost yeah, you know, like within course. the first week or two, that things are just not going to, they just don't click for whatever reason, mm. you know, uh, and it's always it's quite, quite interesting kind of, um, you know, having seen that now, I think it's more important. I think we're paying more attention to actually that second checkbox of do they fit in with the team? Because, you know, you want to make sure that they're there for the long term, really. Yeah, because it costs money, right? And, you know, you want... you want Time and money, exactly, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And just for people listening, what what would you say in terms of if people are excited listening to this and saying, well, you know, I've got some ideas I'd like to get them to market but they're not really sure knowing that what you've gone through and you know the failures and you've refined it and yeah you know you've you've had some success now what would you say in terms of advice to people listening who were maybe wanting to start their own tech business and they've mm. got some ideas well i think first of all you know the simplest thing is speak to people you know uh talk to your friends and peers you know i think sometimes it don't always just trust what your uncle says or, you know, what your mum and dad think, because they might say, yeah, this is a great idea. But, you know, try and speak to as many people as possible. If you can interview people or get in touch with people within a specific industry that you're looking to go into, that's valuable. <coughs> Excuse me. I have um, people, you know, ask me quite often if they if I can go for a coffee or whatever, uh, you know, because they want to sort of, you know, pick my brains on something that, you know, again, I've had a couple of conversations recently with people who are looking to go into the podcasting market with ideas. So that's always a good place to start. Uh, secondly, look at the competition. You know, sometimes competition isn't a bad thing because it proves that there's a demand for a product and there is a market mm -hmm. there. Uh, so if you can build something that's bigger and better than what the competition are doing, or you know, you can make your marketing process better, um, then you, you then you'll be onto a winner. Um, and uh, finally, you know, like I mentioned earlier with Matchmaker, try and do some kind of test that doesn't involve spending loads of money on actually building something that may not work. 
to sort of validate there's a demand, you know, uh, find, build a small website claiming to offer a service and, you know, get see if people will opt in for it before you've actually, you know, launched it. Mm. Uh, there's lots of people doing this now, um, but it is a good way to, number one, see that there's a demand, but number two, build a list of people that will then be interested in using this service or product once you've bought it to uh, market. I think that's really valuable, you know, for people to hear because we do that as well. If we're, if we're yeah. building stuff, we know we're going to launch it. We usually collect some data first and, and again, just see if people are excited about it. And then yeah. obviously if no one signs up, you know, you go back to the drawing board yeah. or refine it or come back with some new iteration, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, like uh, if you are collecting feedback and data from people, make sure you're being reactive and, and to what they're saying, you know, like with Matchmaker, uh, we launched Matchmaker and we're immediately getting lots of people saying to us, well, why doesn't it do this? Or why doesn't it do that? And some of it's just simple stuff that we just completely overlooked when we were designing the product. Mm. You know, uh, for example, one of the things was, you know, you can create a profile either as a podcast or create a profile as a, a guest or an industry expert. But it never occurred to us that actually maybe people don't want to constantly receive requests for, um, you know, uh, to be on shows or, or, or vice versa. So, you know, we quickly introduced an away mode to say basically, yeah, I, I do take guests on my show, but currently we're not interested because actually you might have the, the next, say, 10 episodes all booked up and it's just, it, you don't want to plan too, it's good to mm. be uh, organized and have, you know, I'm sure you guys know this, you want to have a kind of, a, a, be working in advance to some extent, but, you know, you don't want to be working six months in advance. So that was an obvious thing that we just hadn't thought about when we were building it for whatever reason, it never occurred to us that people don't want to constantly just be bombarded all the time <laughs> with messages. So having a, a switch to say, yes, I'm accepting guests or no, you know, that's the simple things like that. You, you've got to make sure that you're listening to what customers are saying and, and trying to implement them as quickly as you can. And that's really valuable for people to hear that if you listen to the people using your service, yes, you're mm. going to get stuff that might not be feasible, right? But it has other guess if they're using it, they know the pain point straight away. Absolutely. And like you say, it's stuff that you just couldn't envisage and you never know until it's live, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true. Yeah. Asking for feedback. I was, uh, we, we had a little conversation, Peter and I, this morning just about, you know, podcasts and we, we just bought something new that technical mm. stuff that i don't know anything about <laughs> uh but what do you think is what 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 would be like a basic requirements for somebody who is thinking about uh, uh doing a podcast their own podcast yeah great question uh this is again so such a hot topic at the moment we get people like all the time coming to us saying you know what how do we get started mm. so uh, podcast.co obviously makes it really simple to actually get your podcast online in terms of equipment go out and the, my piece of advice to everyone whether or not you just want to be a guest on other people's podcasts or have your own is go out and get a decent microphone you know you can pick a usb mic up now for around 50 pounds something like that and it will make it sound 10 times better than if you're speaking into your your phone or your laptop microphone it's just they're just you know they're not great um so that that's like the very basic level i would suggest you know if you want to take things to the next level obviously like you guys you can have a couple of different microphones set up you might want to have um you know cameras recording um, lighting etc because i do think video is is great as well if you're podcasting it just gives you another asset that you can use to sort of promote the podcast whether or not you just push it push it out as a whole episode or like you've mentioned i think before we start recording you know taking clips out yeah, of the yeah. sort of the best bits it's a really really way to you know compelling way to drive traffic to your podcast um 
but you know the other thing is just start i think there's too many people who will dwell on it for so long mm. and just sort of think oh you know am i going to start a podcast but actually the the sooner you can get started the better um it's not too late to start a podcast there's a, a million podcasts now on apple and spotify yeah, yeah. which sounds like a big number However, if you compare it to sort of the number of Instagram accounts or YouTube channels, <laughs> it's still tiny. So there's exactly. still a lot, a lot of yeah. opportunity. And actually, if you compare it, you know, I've, I've had a music career as well. I'm still making mm. music, maybe not so much commercially now. But yeah, I mean, when, when the digitalization happened, I was releasing vinyl and I was really shocked. It caught me with my pants down, really, mm. until I realized we had to embrace it. You know, Napster and all the like started. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like big numbers, but... In the bigger scheme of things, if in the music industry, that's obviously now well developed, you know, from the 90s onwards in terms of digitization, right? Mm. Much larger numbers and people still have success because mm. that's the thing. If, you know, no one would make music again if they, if they thought that there was no reason to do it, right? I know it's not yeah. easy, right? Because it's still difficult and challenging. But to be honest, it always was. I think people yeah. just forget the history, right? I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the sooner you start, the more chance you'll have of, of getting a foot in the door. And, you know, ultimately as well, it doesn't have to be perfect from the beginning. Yeah. I think people sort of get too wound up. You know, it's like the age old thing and people record their voice and they say, do I really sound like that? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yes, you do sound like that. But just get over it. People listen to you all day, every day anyway. So all this is, is just taking that uh, and just transporting it into sort of like a digital form, isn't it? Yeah. And we we didn't, you know, at first, even with the technical knowledge being an engineer, we yeah. still made a lot of mistakes where it sounded wooden, you know, getting <laughs> nervous and yeah. trying to be a BBC reporter. And it just doesn't uh, yeah, work. Yeah, people right? get all sorts yeah. of like, oh, hello, <laughs> and welcome to the, the podcast. Yeah, you, again, uh, I think, um, but, but actually, it's interesting. I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a guy who does a lot of podcasts uh, for internal comms purposes. And he says that... Um, you know, they're better than video because as soon as you throw a camera in someone's front of someone's face, they tend to seize up mm. and they don't know what to say. Whereas, you know, if you're just have a microphone in the middle, it's a lot less intimidating. So there is, there is a benefit of, of doing a podcast versus recording video. Mm. Um, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm, I guess I'm biased because I just love the sound of audio anyway. But yeah, it's a do it's great, a double whammy to have the video and to be able to repurpose and, mm. you know, you get all of that wonderful stuff you can market later on, right? Yeah. And um, just just for people listening, because we're kind of coming to the end of it now, um, mm. any part and wisdom for any anything that just springs to mind that might be useful to share with people? Uh, yeah. Uh, perseverance is key. This is one of, mm. I did a, a, th a three points of wisdom podcast yesterday. And that's one of my points of wisdom, perseverance. So when you've, when you've come up with an idea, whether it's a podcast or a business, you've got to actually stick at it and give it a chance to, to flourish. You know, mm. things don't happen overnight. And I think perseverance sometimes could be your strongest asset. Mm. Good one. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure. I mean, <laughs> there's other stuff we wanted to talk about, but you know, there's always limited time. And I know, just before we press record, you said you were recording quite a few um, interviews today, so I didn't want to keep six. you too long. So, wow. Yeah, six, six. Respect. My next one is in 15 minutes, <laughs> oh, so it's pretty, okay. pretty much non-stop today. It's, yeah. uh, this is the busiest day I've had. I'm wow. doing 30 podcasts in 30 days challenge. Amazing. Uh, and I'm, I'm down. This is my 13th interview, actually. Which has been a good one, actually. I was worried, you know, 13, maybe it was going to not be good, but I've really enjoyed speaking it's to you. It's 13, guys. wow. 13 yeah. is Peter's lucky number, so you've got oh, his go. one. <laughs> and if anyone wants to contact or reach out to you, what's the best place to get in touch and find out more about what you guys do? 
Yeah, sure. So um, you can visit our websites, radio.co, podcast.co, matchmaker.fm. If you want to connect with me personally, if you go to jamesm.com, that's jamesm for mike.com slash connect, uh, there's all my social media accounts on there. I'm constantly pushing out content always relating to sort of radio, business, podcasting, etc. And also we have YouTube channels and radio.co and podcast.co with tons of videos and content. We're really big on that. So there's lots of stuff where you can learn all sorts of interesting things. Mm. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honor. Really, really enjoyed this one as well. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast. If you haven't already, please support us by pressing the subscribe button. Leave us a review and share it with your friends and your wider network. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 